Welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show. There's a time for kidding around and a time to be serious. This is not one of them. Broadcasting coast to coast to coast, whatever that means. This is the Eric Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Folks, it is the Eric Metaxas Show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I, this hour, uh, have the privilege of speaking with a friend, Joel Rosenberg. He's a New York Times bestselling author of 11 novels and five nonfiction books with over three million copies sold. Joel, welcome to the program. Hey, great to be with you, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Anytime I, I read about that level of success as an author, I just want to tell you I have nothing but resentment. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I also have anger and bitterness. I'm very bitter. It's just not right. It, it's it, not right. How are people supposed to buy my time. books if you yeah, are selling that many books? Write some books that, that you know made some level of impact, even at the, yeah. at the margins. It's it's a zero sum game. They say either I'm going to buy Joel's book or Eric's book, and it seems to me like you've been cranking them out. And uh, I, I'm resentful, but you know what? I'll, I'll have you on the program anyway because I need to work through these these things. But seriously, you you really are a prolific author. You've been on every kind of t. I mean, I see the list of TV programs you're on. I think the only one missing here uh, is Green Acres. You've never been on Green Acres, correct? Uh, no, that's true. It that's, was it was off the air before I. Uh, Sort of came of age. Oh, good. That's good. But yeah, you've been on Nightline, CNN, C-SPAN, Fox News, MSNBC, History Channel, uh, on and on. And um, typically, you are talking about uh, international affairs and, most importantly, the Middle East. In fact, I know that you now live in Israel. That's right. Uh, two years ago, uh, my wife and four sons and I moved from Virginia, where we lived for almost 25 years, uh, to Israel. It happened to be in the middle of a rocket war. Uh, Hamas in Gaza fired 4,500 rockets, sort of to, you know, as thank you presents, uh, welcoming another, um, you know, Jewish family uh, into the into the neighborhood. Isn't that sweet? Uh, so, yeah, it w- that was a strange time to move. But, uh, you know, we are, I'm Jewish on my father's side. Right. Okay. English Methodist wasp on my mother's side. Right. Uh, we're evangelicals. But under the law of return in Israel, um, we were welcomed back, and it has been extraordinary to, to live in the very country that I've been writing about, the very region that I've been writing about. And I have to tell you, Eric, in some ways it's surreal because when we were moving, I was on a radio show in, in Chicago right before we left, and the host said, how can you move to Israel? There are rockets being fired. You're, you're crazy. I said, you live in Chicago. What do you mean? I mean, right. I guess there aren't rockets flying, but how many people died last weekend in Chicago? So it's strange to feel safer, actually, in Israel than right. in some of them, our major cities here in the United States. But also, our home is two and a half hours from genocide in Syria. That's surreal, that Israel is is the safest place for anyone, and including for a follower of Jesus Christ, in the entire region. Jordan's a close second. Um, but that's extraordinary um, that there's literally darkness falling, genocide just over our borders, and it puts into real relief. Uh, you know, when I write about fiction about ISIS trying to, you know, launch genocide against, you know, the Middle East, against the United States, I'm trying to write that to penetrate the American culture, to take people into a world that they'll never go in, but in which many people even want to avoid the topic because it just seems too horrible. And yet a novel has a way of 
of, of sort of taking people on an adventure ride. Right. Everybody says you're, they wouldn't have otherwise understood. Everybody says your novels are ripped from the headlines, and it is kind of crazy. I mean, the stuff that you write about in fiction, uh, it comes true. I mean, it, it's unfortunately it is not fantastical. Unfortunately, it is it's it's uh, it's fiction, but it's not far from from what is actually going on. Well, yeah, we I, I've never set out to write a novel specifically predict some worst case scenario that was going to happen i obviously i did but but you're right uh, starting with my first novel about a kamikaze attack on an american city by radical islamic terrorists leading to a war with iraq all written before it happened up to the current novel where i would you know the series is about a new york times reporter tracking the isis story right. even as the president of the united states is telling us it's no big deal it turns out to be a huge deal, a genocide deal. And one of the most interesting things, uh, Eric, you, this year, you and I haven't spoken for a few months, but earlier this year, Jordan's King Abdullah read the most recent novel that I wrote called The First Hostage, uh, in which Jordan becomes part of this whole wow. genocidal attack by ISIS. And, you know, for a Jewish evangelical U.S. Israeli citizen who writes a novel about ISIS trying to overthrow the king of Jordan, among others, yeah. you could get banned from the kingdom for that. Um, right. But the king read it, enjoyed it, and invited my wife and I to spend five days with him and his top military advisors in Amman earlier this year to talk about, well, what is Jordan doing to to keep stable, to wow. keep secure in the midst? It Tremendous. was a time, a Muslim leader— a, a direct descendant of Muhammad he couldn't have been more gracious, friendly, funny. It was such an interesting and counterintuitive time. But that's some of the strange things that happen with novels. That it, they go into places you wouldn't really expect, both at just the normal person who's thinking, ah, that's an interesting story to read, to world leaders. I, I um, It's been an interesting year. It's uh, But look – I do this because, uh, you know, I'm one of the few Jewish people in America that didn't get the financial gene. Oh, you didn't get the financial gene. Oh, and I'm one of the few Greeks who didn't get the restaurant gene. Well, my dad, uh, sadly, (laughs) did not run a restaurant. I don't know where we went wrong, but uh, (laughs) it's just uh, I didn't I didn't know my suvlaki from my, you know, baklava until I was like in high school. It's sad. It's sad, Joel. Let's not let's not dwell on these sad things. But you. You're you're a novelist. You've written something, by the way. I don't want to. We don't have to talk about it this second. But you've written a thing called "Is ISIS Winning? Are We Winning the War on ISIS and Radical Islam?" Obviously, the president, President Obama, says yes, but the experts say no. And you have a nine-page fact sheet laying out the data. I want to talk to you about that. Tell me where can people find that before we start talking about it? Sure. Well, I post that and and analysis on all kinds of issues on my. Uh, on the blog that's connected to my website. Okay. My website is just simply my name, joelrosenberg.com, and then there's a little button right at the top to hit blog, and then okay. you can just uh, – in the future, people can just – once they go to the blog, you can just um, you know, uh, click on that to, to, to you know, put it in your, in your file there and, and always go back directly to it. But that's where I posted um, this analysis, and it is pretty extraordinary. I, I start with the quotes by the president, by Secretary Kerry, saying we're winning, we're containing ISIS, we're rolling them back, we're making progress. 
Now, we're certainly making some progress. I mean, I'm not saying that we haven't taken out leaders and, and, and taken some territory. This is good. But as I go through the data, first, first quote, former CIA directors and former, you know, and current administration officials, actually, who say, actually, we're not winning. Uh, we're actually – what's happening is I take you take through the data, and, and the data tells us that ISIS has 36,000 foreign fighters today. Last year, they had 20,000. Uh, they're, they're, they're drawing uh, they're drawing foreign fighters from 120 countries this year. Two years ago, it was 90 countries. They're killing people in more than 20 countries. 20 countries have been subject to ISIS attacks, including the United States, when two or three years ago, it was just Iraq and Syria. So as I walk through all – they're using chemical weapons. When I started writing about chemical weapons and ISIS, Right. The novel series several years ago, this was fiction. It wasn't true. Now it's true. They're not only using chemical weapons, they're producing chemical weapons. And this is being told to us by the, by the head of the CIA, the head of uh, U.S. intelligence. So it's not like this is some conspiracy theory website. And I've got links to all of it. So people can kind of go through and assess the quotes and the data and yeah. say, does it make sense? Is it true? Bottom line – Two and a half years ago, the president told us that ISIS was a JV team, not, oh. not a serious threat. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was wrong. Okay, so well, people can be wrong. But now he's telling us we're winning. He's also he's wrong. also wrong. We're gonna we're gonna have to go to break. I'm talking to Joel Rosenberg. You can go to joelrosenberg.com. Uh, you can go to the blog and read this, or you can keep listening. I I'd prefer that you keep listening and then read the blog. We'll be right back. <laughs> This is the Eric Metaxas Show. I'm talking to Joel Rosenberg. You can find him at joelrosenberg.com. He's a New York Times bestselling author of 11 novels, five nonfiction books, uh, many of them dealing with what is happening in the Middle uh, East right now. Uh, before I forget, I just want to mention we have a new sponsor on the Eric Metaxas Show. Go to reaganprivacy.com if you're interested in having an email address that is private private that people can't spam you and scam you uh, go to reaganprivacy.com you can get an email address that is at reagan.com i think that's pretty cool uh at reagan.com but the privacy you is the big deal that to colin powell yeah ha, oh i would start there and unbelievable wait, um, unbelievable that can you imagine now again you're, you're joel rosenberg in case anybody's just tuning in but how is it possible that somebody who is as big a deal as Colin Powell can have his emails hacked. It's horrifying. Well, I think as, what, what the horrifying thing is that he was using secure emails when he was the Secretary of State, when yeah. he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Right. He wasn't doing what Hillary is doing. But American citizens now, are, all of our emails are, are potentially at risk. We have to, but, and, and so you know, the more we can do to take – to protect ourselves, but this is a new world where you can't communicate privately without the whole world uh, knowing what you're saying. And this is this is a dangerous environment that we're heading into. Wow, uh, I, I just um, it's it's amazing. Anyway, yeah, that's our new uh, uh, sponsor, ReaganPrivacy.com, and uh, I'm 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 always fascinated with that with that issue. And it gets to what you're talking about. You know, we're dealing with. An enemy, ISIS, that is sophisticated on this level. They are not, you know, cavemen with bazookas. They are 
uh, cavemen with computers and with uh, with tech capabilities, and uh, that's that's an extraordinary thing to consider. It is, and uh, you know, as, as we were saying just before the break, uh, the president's analysis of the Islamic State threat two and a half years ago, when he you know sort of sloughed it off as a as a JV team, that was inaccurate then. His assessment that we're winning, that we're containing, that we're rolling them back is, is, is flawed and inaccurate today. Again, we are making some progress, and this is good. But, but remember, the, the administration itself on March 17th of this year announced uh, – admitted really because everyone else has been saying it for, for months – ISIS is engaged in genocide. They're systematically trying to – uh, eradicate Christianity from the Middle East, specifically from Syria and and uh, Iraq, but not just Christians, other minority groups like the Yazidis. And of course, Muslims are dying most um, because any Muslim that doesn't agree with the both radical and I would say apocalyptic views of ISIS, idea that the end of the world is coming, and if we kill everyone who disagrees with us, we can bring about the Messiah and the, and the caliphate, the kingdom, ideology is explicitly genocidal. Well, let, and, let me just say so that, that. How can you say that we're winning? Well, I, I was going to say I will. I'll, I'll I'll try to answer that question. Here's what I think. I think that people like our president and the the Washington ilk to which uh, he belongs are they are globalists and they're elitists who cannot on any level fathom. This kind of thinking, in other words, they act as though this is like, you know, the bubonic plague. It's been dealt with. It's just a little mop up operation. We don't have to worry about the bubonic plague taking over. But the reality, of course, is that in the real world, there are plenty of people uh, who think like this. And I think that the this this administration has over and over and over put out this narrative that, oh, it's no big deal. We're winning. Clearly, that's what happened with Benghazi. They didn't want People to think, oh, no, uh, on the anniversary of 9-11, we had another terrorist attack. We're losing. We need to step up our game. They wanted to put it out there that, oh, it was just one crazy thing. Somebody put out an incendiary video. Some people got angry. And they – anytime anything doesn't fit with their narrative that this is no big deal, we can – it's a police action. We don't have to take uh, – we don't have to take drastic steps – they are not uh, interested in taking drastic steps. And when we talk about winning, it's so incremental. Imagine what the people suffering under ISIS are thinking of the United States of America. We have the power to lead a coalition to wipe out these demonic monsters who are murdering and raping. These are not just words. They are doing this as we talk on this program. The United States has the ability to do something about that. They're not doing something. It is deeply scandalous and horrifying. It makes me ashamed to be an American at this point, that we have a leader who doesn't seem to care about that suffering. I don't know what to say. Well, this, you know, I mean, you having written so much about uh, the Holocaust, about obviously about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, about how as a faithful citizen of a country, as a follower of Jesus Christ, how do you respond in the face of evil when your government is either complicit or weak or 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 evil now I don't think we're having I wouldn't call it we have an evil government but we have one that is weak 
and doesn't understand. Well, it, 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 it aids and abets evil, evil you know. I, I, don't think, I don't think that the president wakes up and says, how, I, how can I do evil? I think that he is deluded into thinking that he's, do, that he's doing good. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah. you know, you don't get marks for what you think you're doing. You get marks for what you're actually doing. Well, and, and this, is the, this is why we, each of us have to ask ourselves at this moment in history, what, what, am, what should I be doing um, to, to strengthen and protect the American people and then our allies and then those who are suffering in the world? We don't want to be the world's policemen. However, we know that as ISIS gains strength, they're not going to be content with genocide in Syria and Iraq. They inspire people in Orlando to kill and slaughter. They inspire people in San Bernardino to kill and slaughter. This is coming here. You know, it is already here, but it is coming more. If you if you have a southern border in which, uh, by the administration's own numbers, 300,000 people came across the border last year, the southern Mexican border, came 300,000 from countries that are highly, you know, uh, 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 consumed by terrorism right now. That's out of the several million that, that, that poured across the board. But 300,000, we don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. This is a national security nightmare. And, it, and, it, and, it, and so for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who's trying to use fiction – to tell to tell stories, to take people into these nightmares, the ones that are, the ones that are coming, and try to help people understand, imagine levels of evil that 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 they otherwise wouldn't. Well, but look, the difference is that say, you. Okay, then what is my responsibility? You, but, but the point is that you are saying that it's fiction. This administration is unwilling to admit that their narrative is fiction. That's the difference. Yes, well, okay. To say that we are winning, to say that we are winning is fiction. Uh, I am amazed that they continue to say this when you see photos online every day of the horrors of what ISIS is doing. It's so, I just think, doesn't anybody have a heart when you see these things? You think, is it is it just an image on a screen, or do you realize these are human beings, and that we as a nation have the power to do something about this? And this is so. Here's a here's a practical example, small maybe, but so as I mentioned, uh, Jordan's King Abdullah read my most recent novel, uh, The First Hostage, which is all about this genocidal move of ISIS in the Middle East. So he reads it, and I you know spend these five days with him, dinner at the palace, and spent just five, personal time with him. One of the things I learned in that, in that trip is how the United States, while we've been generous in certain ways, aren't providing uh, certain um, tactical uh, military helicopters that they need in order to increase their uh, offensive capacity against ISIS. And why? So what, what, what's the answer? Why are they I not providing well, that? Well, you know, the king was very diplomatic. I've still tried to understand why our best, most faithful Sunni ally – can't get seven more Black Hawk helicopters t tomorrow, today, yesterday. Like, if they need them to, to pick up the pace to fight the enemy that we want to fight, that the president keeps taking half measures to fight, why don't we ship seven helicopters over tomorrow? Like, that's just one, just to give people one little picture of how a superpower could be helping a frontline Arab Muslim ally who the king is taking this tremendous fight yeah. directly 
to ISIS uh, and wants to do more. So under what I there is no answer that I well but I, but see this is the point is I, I've heard many people say exactly what you're saying and I've said the same thing there's no answer there's no answer doesn't that t- it tells us everything we need to know uh, there is an answer the answer is they don't want to do it they don't care they've got other priorities they'd rather talk about birtherism or whatever they can do we'll be right back folks I'm talking to Joel Rosenberg it's the Eric Metaxas show our website metaxastalk.com with me other dancers may be on the floor. Um, I'm talking this hour to Joel Rosenberg, the author of many New York Times bestsellers uh, on the Middle East. Some of the books are fiction. Some of them are nonfiction. They are clearly labeled as such. So be careful that you know what you're reading. Because uh, sometimes, Joel, with you, it can be tough. As we've said, your stuff is is right out of the headlines. But um, you uh, you're talking right now about how... ISIS is defeatable. I had a I had Sebastian Gorka on this program many times. He's written a book about defeating jihad, and it just doesn't seem that we have the will. We have a leader who isn't really much of a leader, doesn't seem to care about this. What we've got to be able to speculate why. I mean, many people have said it's because he's a Muslim. I don't believe that. And every time I hear that, I laugh. I think he's he's not a Muslim, but what he is is somebody who I'm very familiar with, which is kind of a you know, a Beltway uh, East Coast elite globalist who does not enjoy this idea that uh, we have to be belligerent and we have to somehow they, they just want to act as though these problems will go away or they can be dealt with with, you know, pinprick bombing. They don't seem to understand that this is a battle versus good and evil and that if we're not on the side of the good, we're on the side of the evil because we're doing nothing. Well, I agree with that, and, and let me start with just a couple uh, points. One, I agree that, uh, that I don't believe that uh, the president is a Muslim. Uh, he says he's not, fine, but he does come from a Muslim background. We all know that. He, he concedes that. I think what he – I think the, the issue is not whether he is a Muslim, but whether – I think he, he believes that he understands the Muslim world better than all the rest of us, and would that that were true. <laughs> but – and, and theoretically, from his background, he might – have understood it, but he doesn't. He, he clearly doesn't understand it. He won't acknowledge that that uh, while there while va- the vast majority, ninety percent or more of Muslims, don't believe in cutting people's heads off and bringing about the end of the world, this group does, right? ISIS does. So you can't tell them that they're not Muslims. You have to say why their ideas are wrong. You have to counter them. He he wants to lead a counter ideology strategy. Except he won't name or identify or let people talk about the actual ideology, which is a religious ideology. It's a religious eschatology. So that's one. The second thing is he has – it's clear now. He believes that the big issue in the region – there's two. He doesn't think that ISIS and genocide is the big one. He thinks that two others are. One is helping Iran become um, a, a more welcome member of the world community. So we give $100 billion to Iran. We legalize their nuclear program. We release them from economic sanctions, even while they create mayhem and murder in Syria, in Yemen, in Iraq, and beyond. So I, you know, but that's clearly what he believes that, that Iran needs to be welcomed back into the, the community of nations. And the second big issue that he thinks is the problem is the Palestinian Israeli issue that Israel needs to be forced to 
um, to make a deal with the Palestinians because that, he believes, is the thing that creates instability writ large across the region. Now, as an Israeli now, a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen, I want uh, a peace with my Palestinian neighbors, absolutely. But is the genocide going on in Iraq and Syria have anything to do with the Palestinian conflict? Does the uh, the, does Iran heading towards nuclear weapons have anything to do with the Palestinians? No, it's an important issue, but compared to genocide, it, it, it's, it, it's not even on the same level. So this lack of attention to fighting and crushing an enemy that is committing genocide and wants to come here and do worse to us and to focus on helping your worst enemy, Iran, and focus – all your attention on beating up on your main ally, Israel. This does not make sense to normal American people who well, think, I, I, got to be kidding me. But I, see, I think it, it ties in again to this this narrative. It's it's really a liberal narrative. I mean, I've seen this over the course of my life that they they think, and I am often guilty of this. Uh, it, you kind of think if I can get people to like me then everything will be great. And so you give them whatever they ask for, not understanding that there are people to whom you must say no. There are people you must fight with or they will eat you up. And and I think that right now the idea that if we solve the Israeli-Palestinian uh, problem or we give Iran what they want, everything will be fine – if it worked, I would say, great. And by the way, we don't want to make people angry for no reason. But there's a time when you're dealing with people who will get angry no matter what you do. And so you have to face it. I don't think this administration is willing to face the fact that they're dealing something that's not going to back away if uh, if we smile and, and give them what they say they're looking yeah, for. We'll give it to them. And- on their part, and it's dangerous. It's, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to be right back talking to Joel Rosenberg. It's the Eric Metaxas Show. If you want to send these podcasts to your friends, folks, uh, please spread the word. Go to our website, metaxastalk.com. Click on the podcast. You can send them to somebody and uh, let them know what's going on. We appreciate it. Hey there, folks. This is the Eric Metaxas Show. I'm talking to Joel Rosenberg about ISIS uh, and uh, how this administration says we're, we're winning the battle against ISIS. Joel says we're not, and he has a document at his website, joelrosenberg.com, on the blog uh, that makes this clear. I mean, what are some of the facts, just so that I'm not uh, relying on my emotion? You can tell I get so upset about the horrors ISIS is doing to innocent people. It's It's just heartbreaking, and I think that we as a nation need to do something about it. But uh, tell us what you would uh, – what, what do you say to somebody who says we're winning? Uh, I wish we were, uh, but we're not, and the data is clear. Uh, so, for example, um, uh, last year there were 20,000 um, fighters working uh, – you know, fighting for ISIS. Uh, today, uh, intelligence services say there are 36,000. That's, you know, that's more than a 50 uh, percent know, increase. Uh, almost a 75% increase in a year. So uh, now uh, they were coming, they were being recruited, these, these jihadists, from 90 countries previously. Now they, they're coming from 120 countries. Um, they, uh, ISIS originally was fighting just in Iraq, and then they spread to Syria. That was how they started killing and, and maiming and enslaving and, and raping. Now they've committed attacks 
in more than 20 countries. And and now you can argue, and, and the administration does – well, anyway, by, so anyway, by any obvious measure, that growth, that's expansion. That means we're not winning, even though we take back some towns in Iraq, even though we take out with drone strikes some leaders. I'm not saying that those aren't positive measures. Those are. But that doesn't represent winning. We're 15 years now after 9-11, and we have genocide – Underway by the administration's declaration, uh, you know, forced a little bit by the, by Congress, uh, who who were really looking at the facts and urging the administration to just admit it. What is genocide? Genocide is is, is a very specific legal definition under the UN Convention. It basically says if there's an activity where you're trying to eradicate, eliminate, annihilate a people group, a religious group, an ethnic group through a whole series of means, murder. Forced conversion, wiping them out from the region, raping them—you know, enslaving them. There's a whole range. If you're doing that, that's genocide. If the expressed or obvious intention is to eradicate a group, that's what's happening. And you cannot say in a region with in Syria where there's almost 500,000 people dead now, uh, and 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 tens and tens of thousands more dead in in Iraq. You, you can't say that an administration that called this a JV team two and a half years ago and now is admitting this is genocide, how can you then say that we're winning? It, 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 the, the data is, is, is clear, but in the end, the biggest problem is, the, as you say, that the administration, by not crushing it and, de- and treating it seriously, throwing all of our resources at it early – is allowing the cancer to metastasize. And you, the administration tries to argue that, oh, the attack in Orlando or in San Bernardino, um, well, these are not really ISIS people. They're, they say they're ISIS, but they're not really. Well, what's the difference? If an ideology, a religious ideology in this case, can attract the attention of someone right. around the world who wants now slaughter in the name and the loyalty of the ISIS leader, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, what does it mean? What's the difference whether he trained in Syria or not? This is an idea that's coming. It's and, here. And, and let's face and it. I mean the idea of murdering innocent human beings. I mean really the Nazis didn't even do, do that in their own minds. In other words, they, they, as sick and evil as they were, random d- d- to go – to some place and just say, I'm going to kill as many people as I can just to kill people. It, it's so bizarre that it, it's hard to put it in a category. I mean, it's it's not that I'm going to kill Jews. I mean, you, you can understand if somebody says they're going to do that, that you, you can you can sort of understand this person is crazy, but I can understand the kind of crazy. But somebody who just wants to butcher human beings to get up a body count. I mean, that's what's happening. It happened. You know, I, I would I would push back you in, in one area there, uh, Eric, because um, because it's not just uh, it's not just random killing for killing's sake. It, it looks that way. They actually do have an objective. Well, you're right. No, no, no. You're right. You're actually you're right. I'm wrong about that. Race, you're right. Several races and several religions, Christianity and Yazidi right. religion. Right. They want to eradicate, literally annihilate any Muslim that doesn't agree yeah. with them. And then third, they want to build geography. They want to take territory and build their kingdom, just like Hitler wanted to. Yeah, actually, and that's not said uh, often uh, enough, that that's exactly right, that they want to build a caliphate. Actually, it was Glenn Beck 
who talked about this four or five years ago, and people just thought yeah, he's he, nuts. he used to have me on to talk about it with him. And and we, he used to call me the president of crazy town because, like, <laughs> listen, people are not going to think this. I said, I understand that. Yeah. This is coming. You have to understand yeah. that we're ahead of the curve in discussion, but this is coming if we don't deal with it decisively. Well, God bless Glenn for, for having you on because he, he took a lot of heat for saying some of the things that he said. And the fact of the matter is that uh, it was exactly correct. There's just there's nothing to discuss. He said it, you said it, and it's happening right now. Um, but the level of evil, I mean, I, again, I, I just want to say that, that it's murder. It's murder. It's it's not even like winning a war. It's It's about murdering everyone you disagree with and don't like. That is something right. that what 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 could be more wicked than just and just then killing the way people? They do it, they're chainsawing people in half. They're putting people in 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 um, metal cages and they're setting them on fire alive. They're putting people in cages and then and then putting them down into lakes and drowning them. I, they're crucifying literally in our I'm, generation. They are crucifying like the Romans did, crucifying yeah. Christians. Well, this is this is the thing when 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 you have the strength of the American uh, of the United States of America and we are not trying to do something about this. I I I just want to cry. I cannot believe that in this day and age these things are going on. We could do something about it. We can't easily go into North Korea and rescue the people being tortured there, but we could do this. We could get a coalition of people to do this and this administration isn't interested and it just breaks my heart. We'll be right back folks talking to Joel Rosenberg. I'm talking to Joel Rosenberg. Joel, we just have a few uh, minutes left. I want to talk to you about the JoshuaFund.com before we uh, before we have to go off the air. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, when I started writing novels about all these worst case scenarios in the Middle East, people would say, "All right, Joel, you're an local." Um, you you care for the people of the Middle East. You're not just writing fiction. What do we do about it? And there's, there were so many options. Of I didn't know how to tell people all those options. So we created a Joshua ministry to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. We work in five uh, neighboring countries to Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and Egypt. We strengthen pastors. We encourage them. We provide humanitarian relief. Uh, both to the poor and needy in Israel, Jews and Arabs, but also to those who are fleeing from ISIS. Um, it, it, there's an opportunity to strengthen. Uh, it, it, in other words, we've got a Christian venture capital fund, in a sense, investing in the ministries on the ground in the region that are sharing the gospel, caring for the poor, caring for victims of, of all this slaughter, and strengthening the church. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation, strengthen what remains. We've got our persecuted brothers and sisters, and just to wrap up to say, I wasn't around in the 1940s when the church didn't respond to the genocide in Europe against my people, the Jewish people. So I, I, there's nothing I can do to fix that except yeah. tell people about that history. I can do something now. I can't, I can't fix the whole problem, right. but help, help the people on the ground that are rescuing people, strengthen the Christians, and uh, you can learn more, and we'd love people to get involved both prayerfully, financially. Um, at the jo- at joshuafund.com, this is making a difference on the ground uh, in the midst of great darkness that's falling on that region and our world. And it's joshuafund.com. Yes. And your website is joelrosenberg.com. 
Um, it is. What, and you are now, uh, even though you live in Israel, you are right now stateside, as we say. I am. I'm in Washington, have been having meetings on the Hill with uh, congressmen and senators to talk about the genocide issues. What are the next steps we can do to help? Uh, and also uh, speaking to the National Religious Broadcasters the other night, they asked me to brief them on the situation with genocide, persecution, ISIS. And uh, I just finished up my next novel, uh, which will come out early next year. And uh, so, yeah, head out west now for some more meetings and speeches and interviews. And I appreciate it. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, these are uh, these are critical days. And uh, I appreciate the chance to just share with your audience for what's happening and, and why it matters. Yeah, Joel, a- anytime. This stuff is very uh... – very, very important to me and to, to most of my listeners. And if it's not important to somebody who's listening, I think it should be important. This is, uh, we're going to be held responsible for what we don't do. We've been given great gifts as a nation. We need to use them to help those who are in trouble in our history. We've done a lot of that. I talk about that in my book. Uh, but we have to continue to do that. It is who we are. Um, uh, anyway, I'll leave it at that. Joel, thank you for being my guest this hour. My honor. Thank you so much. Folks, that's the show. EricMetaxas.com is my website. MetaxasTalk.com is the radio website. Go there. Grab this podcast or any podcast that appeal to you. Share them with your friends. We appreciate that. We're trying to get the word out. Uh, Thank you. 